0: Spectrum Health and Human Services is located throughout Western New York. For an appointment, call 716-539-5500. If you are in a crisis, you can call 716-710-5172. Their website is www.shswny.org. Well, hello, everybody. I am excited to introduce to you yet again another collaborative episode with Spectrum Health and Human Services. I've been absolutely enjoying my time with this company and this was a great, great episode as well along with all the others, but in this one I end up talking with two wonderful ladies by the name of Kristen Doyle who is the senior RN at the 1280 Main Street location And Sarah Kozlowski, who is the senior LPN at the 1280 Main Street location. And we just kind of huddled in in Kristen's office with Christmas lights and just a relaxed kind of environment. And we just discussed their roles there, what they do, what a day in their life at work looks like at spectrum health and they just talked about some other things that they would love to see and some things they would like to implement into their work day and their workflow and it was just really a down-to-earth awesome conversation hope you guys enjoy this as always this is a fantastic episode and as always thank you for listening thank you for showing your support and show your support to spectrum by heading on over to their website and seeing what they are all about and all the services that they have to offer. So, without further ado, here is this wonderful, wonderful conversation for you to listen to. Enjoy. this ladies thank you for joining me
1: thank you for being here
0: I know I appreciate I love the traveling thing because it's always fun although it's not fun dragging all my equipment everywhere it's always fun going to different places and trying to set up in different offices. And I love this little round table thing we got going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, very cozy.
0: I think it's pretty (laughs) awesome. So yeah, thank you for having me and inviting me into your wonderful office. You're very welcome. With the Christmas lights. I wish people could see sometimes because you have a very chilled out.
2: I try. With
0: Christmas lights and your little Buddha that you have all over (laughs) and essential oils we got and Zen music in the background. So this is great. I feel like I'm at... A A therapy spa session kind of place, so.
2: Thanks, that's what I'm going for.
0: This is great, especially when you walk out and you realize you're on Main Street in downtown (laughs) Buffalo. (laughs) Yeah, run me through, well, both of you. I want to know, because, you know, what you do here, kind of what your job title is here, and like we can kind of go from there with everything.
2: Okay, so I'm Kristen, and my official job title here is Senior RN at the 1280 Main Street location for Spectrum. Do you want to know how I got into it? Yeah,
0: yeah. Go for it.
2: So I actually have my degree in psychology, which I got back in 2011. Um, I've always been very passionate about addiction, mental illness, and originally had the goal of becoming a clinical psychologist. I worked with troubled teens for a few years. And in gaining that life experience, I realized that I wanted to understand the medical component of wellness more fully. So I decided to go back to nursing school. So I did that, graduated in 2016 have been here ever since, and I'm currently in school to be a psych NP.
0: Very nice. You started with Spectrum as kind of your first job out of school? I did, yes. Okay. But what is it now, 2020? So what, going on four years? Yep, This awesome. summer,
1: This summer will be four.
0: Very good, what about you, Sarah?
1: So my title here is Senior LPN. I've been at Spectrum for seven years in May. I was actually, before I came here, I was working in the hospital on a cardiac floor. What
0: hospital were you at?
1: ECMC. Okay. So I had no psych experience. I worked psych a couple of times and, you know, thought when I was there, it wasn't for me. And this job happened to come up and I thought it would be interesting because I've always been interested in substance use and, you know, learning more about that. I was actually, before nursing, was going to go to school for social work. So I applied here, been here ever since, and I found that... Mental health is actually behavioral health, I should say, is actually my passion. That's where I find that I fit in the best. Okay, awesome. Yeah,
0: I've been a big fan of like psychology f- mm-hmm. probably since my what early twenties, mid twenties, I would say. And yeah, I'm fascinated with the whole the psyche and the mind. And
2: it's so complex.
0: Oh, it's dumbfounding how complex mm-hmm. it is.
2: And then the more you get into psych, you realize how. Intertwined physical health and mental health mm-hmm. are, and how everything is so related.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty trippy, <laughs> and that's why, like the whole mind over matter, mm-hmm. you know, saying. And um, there's a lot of stuff out there that I feel like has been abused and kind of have taken that way too far to extreme. But it is crazy how your mind can be. One of my favorite examples of that is I tried to get clean on my own from my heroin addiction. At my my girlfriend kicked me out. She's like, "Get your stuff together." go stay with your parents and i tried to get clean on my own and that was the worst trying to do it myself and not doing it and second time was when i was in jail and that was so much easier because because i knew i was stuck i couldn't go anywhere i couldn't get through it yeah and i knew i had to like all right there's no going out and stealing something from somebody pawning it and going to get drugs and it was just crazy how much easier it was getting through that
2: do you think that you had a lot of time for introspection
0: well, that was my—that was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty introspective to begin with. Right. Yeah, being alone in jail was like the huge part of it. Just, all right, you got to decide what you're going to do here. You're going to go either stay in self-pity and feel sorry for yourself or go the other way. So it is crazy how powerful the mind is.
2: For sure. Yeah. I've done some reading on like quantum healing and metaphysical components of health and just how our energy plays such a huge part mm-hmm. on our health.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, just being more positive in general, it's insane.
2: Like the placebo effect, Mm -hmm. the fact that that even exists is fascinating.
0: I know I love like a lot of people try to justify things. well it was placebo well, what does it matter if it works right your oh, mind yeah. still
2: yeah. helped to heal you
0: which that should be more dumbfounding the right, placebo right, yeah. effect yeah already go <laughs> I'm already going off topic <laughs> <laughs> I just always love talking psychology so right. you guys are going to have to keep me on no, track that's, that's this fine episode by me. <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah what's what is your uh, Gail's role here at Spectrum what kind of clients you see what do you see them for
1: We have a huge variety of clients here It's such a mixed bag. Definitely. There's a lot of
2: diversity, which is great. Um, Like we were saying earlier, each clinic kind of has its own personality depending on the geographical location, which is also interesting. We do a lot of – we act as a liaison a lot of the time between the prescribers and the clinicians. Okay. Which is nice. And we're lucky to work with a really fantastic group of people. So there's definitely a lot of mutual respect across disciplines, which is definitely a positive.
0: So when you say, obviously, you're the liaison between the prescribers and the clinicians, you said. Mm-hmm. So what does that entail as far as? So a lot of times, you do, your role?
2: if clinicians have medical questions, they will come to us prior to going to the the prescriber. Okay. And then we'll communicate that to the prescriber and vice versa. You know, if the prescriber makes a change, we will reinforce it with the individual that we're serving, but we'll also pass it along to the clinician so that they can address whatever needs to be addressed
1: in session as well. Okay, Right. We all work, I would say, pretty closely Mm -hmm. because you have to just to make sure that compliance and... Making sure sure that they understand. That follow-up. Right. If they need something explained further, you know, if we
2: need something reiterated, the clinicians are really great about doing that in session. Obviously, they may report something to their clinician that, you know, if they're having like an increase in depressive symptoms, Mm -hmm. they may not say that during med management appointments. And so it's nice to get that information from the clinician so that we can relay that to a prescriber okay and then that's can kind be of addressed continues right. communication right
0: yeah that's kind of that's absolutely an important role then that's um, huge
2: we also administer medications both for chemical dependency and mental illness
0: okay and that's um like around mat and mm-hmm. all of that yeah, yeah for
2: chemical dependency okay that's the mat
0: okay and then what do you what do you guys Prisca, do you do do you guys do the sublicade shots
2: we do not but that's something i'm very interested Me too. in yeah. okay
0: Yeah, because I've heard great things about that.
2: Right, and I've asked about that, and I think that it's something we're going to be considering in the future, but it's not actually in the works just yet. Mm -hmm. However, we do have, I think it's going to be six nurse practitioners and two physicians that are able to prescribe Suboxone, so that's nice because that's a lot of opportunity to get people that help.
0: Yeah, there's such a a stigma that goes along with that, and I've seen that really over the last almost two years of doing this mm-hmm. going around and I've done a lot of speaking in different places and a lot, a lot more with family groups that's kind of more my audience is a lot of families of people who are struggling more so than people who are struggling I've had my mom on here I've done episodes with her my sister so it's been and my girlfriend and we've kind of had those like that attachment of families really ask so I've talked to a lot of family members and there's so many people out there who think oh every if you're on Suboxone it's like you're not really doing anything, right? Yeah, you know.
2: and it's difficult. It's it is difficult because there is that potential for abuse, mm-hmm. even though I think that it's a great resource for people. But I do think it would be helpful to offer the supplicate. Is that what you said? It's sublucate, yeah. Sublucate injection, just to have that as an option as well.
0: I've met a few people who've been on it, and they have they've loved it. They have definitely loved it, and I've really heard a lot from people about when you want to get off, how much easier it is because. I think almost up to a year after your last shot, it can still be in your system. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, so that. it's a really, a real slow like tail off, right? Which is a huge thing. I think that's where a lot of people struggle when getting where off of like the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's a huge thing, but and I think it's better than the strip because for me, when I was taking the film, it was still like this thing of taking something every day, and it felt like attachment mm-hmm. and.
2: Yeah, I, I mentioned before that my brother struggled with addiction, and I know that he felt the same way. He was interested in the injection. Mm-hmm. Is
0: that how you kind of ended up getting more interested in the chemical dependency?
2: No, I, I've just naturally been interested in it, and then it just so happened that it hit within my own family. But as mm-hmm. we know, it doesn't discriminate. Um, no, it does not. So, yeah, it ended up hitting close to home, and it, I guess, increased my passion even more, but mm-hmm. it, it was already there.
0: What about you, Sarah? Was there any specific thing in your life that made you come towards this or it just naturally want to help people?
1: Yeah, it was just natural for me. Like I said, in high school, I was kind of looking at social work, but Mm -hmm. then I got a job right out of high school as a nurse's aide. So I think that kind of made me realize that nursing is what I wanted to do. But it just happened that I got lucky enough to become a nurse in the area that I felt was my niche.
0: Yeah, I find i probably talk people are probably sick of hearing me say this on this podcast but i really have everybody i've sat down with through all the you know big companies and treatment providers i've been with i've struggled to find people who aren't here just because they naturally want to help people and they want to do what they're doing even outside of just having an experience like a family member a loved one that has struggled with mental health or substance use they have just naturally from a young age have wanted to always just help and
2: i think it's kind of of an innate thing Mm -hmm. um some people are just born wanting to be a healer and that may take different forms whether you end up being a clinician um a shaman
1: right (laughs) a nurse a doctor you know Mm -hmm. right but i feel like in this area we're healing not only the mind but the body too because we work a lot of that physical health stuff into what we do every day
0: and i think that's so important right i mean you really can't have one without the other it's very difficult to be healthy physically and not healthy mentally and psychologically and vice versa.
2: And there are so many comorbidities mm-hmm. among the mentally ill due to, it could be, you know, like a general neglect of health. And it's also due sometimes to side effects of medications. So it's good to be able to tackle both components.
0: Yeah, as I'm sitting here drinking an energy drink, I was, <laughs> was going to say that was one of the biggest things that I have... Um, really done in my life is how I eat Mm -hmm. and what a difference that makes eating like as much as I love steak I have to stay away from red meat right like it makes me feel like doo-doo and that's a actual word in the dictionary
2: (laughs) (laughs) well research is showing increasingly too that our diets are so huge and that our bodies are actually pretty equipped to do a lot of self-healing without medication but depending on how we've lived the majority of our lives and the things that we've put into our bodies, we may be hindered. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a big thing. I can speak from actual experience. experience. Thank you. (laughs) She's finishing my sentences. That's good. (laughs) But yeah, so that's that's definitely a big thing. I've found people's diets and the way they eat really can affect how you are mentally and then vice versa. I mean, if I'm not if I'm feeling depressed or struggling with anxiety or whatever it is, eating like crap sometimes comes hand in hand with it. Like yeah. I don't want to take care of my body either.
2: Even being adequately hydrated, I found that if I'm hydrated and drink water consistently throughout the day, mm-hmm. I'm much more clear-minded than if I'm drinking like a Red Bull. Yep, have more energy throughout the day. Right.
0: As ironic as that sounds.
2: It does, but yeah. I mean, we have, we're made of what, 60, 70% water?
0: Yeah. Something stupid high like that. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's really high. Yeah. Yeah. So, what else are you guys like as far as, you know, your day here? What does it kind of look like as far? I mean, besides obviously you are that communication between people, but do you see any clients that come in? Do you talk with people?
1: We do see clients. Yeah. And back to the whole physical health piece of it. We have um, appointments with clients from time to time where we do education on nutrition or sleep hygiene. I've noticed, Kristen, mm-hmm. you do a lot of sleep hygiene mm-hmm. teaching. and
0: Are these like groups?
1: One-on-one or sessions. One-on-one
0: sessions? Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. The groups are something that are offered, but we primarily do one-on-one sessions. Okay. And the health monitoring appointments are nice because it actually allows for some creativity In our appointments, obviously, we're somewhat limited within what's acceptable for reimbursement in terms of the services that Mm -hmm. we provide as nurses within the organization. Um, But the health monitoring appointments, there's a little bit of wiggle room to kind of put your own spin on your interaction with the individual how so like, so for example the sleep hygiene one reason why that is one of my favorites to do is because i think it's really helpful to discuss meditation and relaxation techniques and mindfulness and to discuss resources that promote like promote that so mm-hmm. progressive body relaxation things of that nature so it's kind of a way to really get deep into mindfulness with a client in addition to talking about you know, basic sleep hygiene facts and providing information on that, um, that we can actually bill for, which is nice.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, meditation has been something that has, I think, when I was in jail, by the time I got out, I was meditating almost four hours a day.
2: That's impressive.
0: Because, well, there's nothing else to do. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't kept that up, but I mean, you know, they'd have certain periods of time where you just be locked in alone. For usually, you know, two to three hours. So I would just eventually, towards the end of my stay, I would just go in meditate every time we did a lock-in, and it was it was pretty crazy how much that has had brought me to like really see that separation of your emotions and your thoughts and how just separate they are from you, right. and how they just kind of continue to go like almost past you. I always kind of use the analogy of looking out a window from like a fifth floor at traffic and those are your thoughts and emotion and they just kind of drive by you.
2: Right. And that's and- a good one. Clouds is another good analogy. Mm-hmm. Like they're just passing through. And if you're not aware of that, it's easy to get really swept up in the trance of your thoughts and emotions and to identify with them. And then it kind of guides your whole perspective at that point. So that's why I think mindfulness is essential.
0: It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's I've been I've been pretty infatuated with Eastern philosophy. For some reason I had in my mid 20s, I just stopped watching sports and then <laughs> fell in love with philosophy and psychology and kind For of good, some good sciences. Reason. Yeah. So it was very uh, interesting. I always kind of joked that I was an anomaly at um, Horizon Village in rehab because I was the only person getting high and watching behaviors right by uh behaviors. she's Lectures by uh, Robert Sapolsky on behaviorism. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of just bizarre how you can work on yourself, but still be doing these terribly messed up things and just, all right, I'm going to block this out in my mind that right. I'm stealing from people to get high, but yet I'm going to still sit here and work on myself and try to better myself. It was pretty bizarre how you can hold those contradictions and have such a dichotomy in your head.
2: Well, they're not, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. And I think that a lot of people who actually fall victim to addiction are very interested in the mind and exploring altered states of consciousness. And that's, mm-hmm. that could be an avenue that leads people into Down that in the it. first place. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I also think you find so many creative people. Oh, so many. And I f- sometimes wonder, like, I feel like creativity is almost a curse sometimes because I've been so many awesome creative people I have met throughout even jail and then to the different rehabs I was at and it's just amazing but I feel like if you don't have any avenue to express that creativity it really becomes a burden.
2: I've actually noticed that as well mm-hmm. and I find that fascinating some of the most intelligent creative people I've ever met. Yeah, it's it's pretty bizarre.
0: Like it just it really says a lot because there's not a lot of ways to make a living with creativity, and this kind of, unless you're like a select few people mm-hmm. really can make a living off of whether it's musicians or even poetry or whatever it is you're doing, it's very difficult to make a living, and I think that becomes almost a burden to be a creative person and not be able to express
2: it. I remember reading um scar tissue by Anthony Kitus Ketus from, from um, Red, Hot Red Hot Chili, Hot Chili Pe- Peppers, yeah. yeah. yeah as well as the heroin diaries by Nikki Six mm-hmm. and just being blown away by the idea that if these people if these men didn't make it musically nobody would know who they were and they would have just been another person stigmatized mm-hmm. for their addiction
0: yeah it's almost like acceptable in the the music world right. until it gets to a certain point anyway
2: right but i mean even
0: i think about it really what can you say to somebody who even if they're using you know whatever drug it is every day if they are making money and making a huge living how can you really like convince them they have an issue it takes a lot more i think than me obviously i was i did not make it as a musician or anything so i got arrested because i lost my job i got fired i had to break into houses and pawn things mm-hmm. and but i think like when you're making it
2: you could justify. You can it. almost be
0: like, "Oh, I'm doing fine. What are you talking about? I just bought you a house. Why are you tell me to quit right. doing what I'm doing?" So it
2: just made me wonder, like, how many people are out there that were like right on the verge of making it and being known for something big, but didn't? Mm-hmm. And yeah, just, that's you
0: know, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder. But anyway, yeah, I'm going off topic again. I think it's my <laughs> fault. <laughs> no, it's uh, I tend to do it. I like I said, I love uh, getting into psychology talk. So. I did the same thing with Brittany Dairy. If you guys mm-hmm. ever listened to that episode, go listen to it. I'm trying to remember what episode it was. It was on World Mental Health Day, so that would have been October oh, nice. 10th,
2: Okay. I mm-hmm. think,
0: I released it. I did the same thing with her because she had the Freud figurine in her office. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where do you get those? I want a young one. <laughs> so, But yeah, I tend to do that a lot. But anyway, yes, back to your role here at Spectrum <laughs> and what you guys do. And what are like some things you would like to implement into what you're doing as far as company progresses and tries to stay up on innovation? What are some of your thoughts and ideas you would like to see?
2: So I actually have quite a few thoughts. I'm kind of a big idea person, and then when it comes down to the little details of how to make it happen, I lose interest. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> but, that's a
0: tough part. I think but, a lot of people are probably like that.
2: I think in discussing holistic health not the holistic health that we have in the basement which is an incredibly helpful program and i've seen it benefit uh, multiple individuals that we serve already that was
0: another episode with spectrum health right make sure you check that one out
2: (laughs) but holistic in the sense of mind body spirit i would like for nursing to be able to implement more of the mind and spirit Mm -hmm. healing in our role here it's important for us to focus on the medical because there are a lot of therapists already but because of reimbursement we have a lot of metrics that we have to meet that are primarily physical so it would be nice to be able to kind of expand into those other areas of wellness as well in the future
0: it's just so bizarre how you can like people yell at me for not going to my primary care physician. I actually don't even have one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, why well, you need a primary care? Why don't you go see your doctor, get a checkup? You know, your ankle hurts. You need to go see a doctor. But if I struggle with like I'm just not feeling myself, and right. I'm starting to hate myself, all of a sudden I'm weak because I'm you know going to go see a therapist. It was always bizarre how I think society. And I don't know if it's just in the West, Western culture. I, I, feel, I don't always want to say it I is. I feel like
2: it is, but I, I'm not positive either. But I
0: can't really, yeah, I can't really say it for a fact, but it's just really strange to me how that is perceived as a weakness that when you're struggling mentally.
2: I think that there are strides being made. However, there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. And going back to what we said about people with addiction being very creative, I've had that thought in the past about and and currently how not only should we be battling the stigma that to normalize mental illness but we should be focusing on the gifts that people in this field have because mm-hmm. there are a lot like if you consider like the autism spectrum yeah. you know usually there'll be some kind of a gift associated with that whether it's like memory or something like that and i feel like it's i don't know if parallel is the the right way to put it but there's a very strong correlation between people with, with mental it. illness, substance use, in their past, and this like strong creative sense that I think should be emphasized as well as again just fighting the stigma.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that does come back to almost being like forced to be put into a box. Yeah. And not really. We don't really talk about spirituality and mm. you know in ourselves, and it does. And I kind of ba- bounce back and forth of this too, of very scientific. This and that, and then the spiritual world. It's a struggle. It is. Because
2: it's our reductionist model of medicine versus the more, the holism mm-hmm. of like Eastern traditional ways. And I do think that the future of, of medicine and health is holistic. And I think it, we're slowly moving in that direction. But again, we're not completely there yet.
0: And it should be, because that's kind of how we started talking about is how you're your mind and your spiritual life affects you physically. And I think the problem is is it becomes so gray. It's so different for every person on how to handle something that, you know, with science is, oh, you got a flu. Here you go.
2: It's hard to quantify. Yep.
0: And I think that's such a big reason why. And I think that's a huge reason why substance use is such a tricky thing and why it's such a debate. You know, is it a disease or not? Because when you get into it, it's like, well, if it was like a flu or something, there's solutions for that or we know how to at least contain it but here it's just every individual is so different how you handle their recovery which way it was going to work for them is it 12 step is it cbt Mm -hmm. is it just you know you're good you know you've talked about over because i mean you can't obviously you ladies know you can't just hand somebody suboxone and be done with it right exactly so much more to it
2: and there are clear neurochemical changes in the brain with addiction. So that part can be looked at mm-hmm. scientifically. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. there are so many other factors. And I think that's why that spiritual component has to be met for people who are on that road to recovery or in recovery. I think that's like the most essential component. So it's kind of exploring, you know, if you don't subscribe to organized religion, then where do you fit in? Mm hmm. So I would like to see, I guess, more of the spirit aspect of holistic health implemented, almost how it is in wellness centers. You mm-hmm. know, people do energy healing, Reiki, things of that nature. But again, I don't think that that kind of thing is reimbursed by insurance companies. And that's the issue, yeah. So until it is, how can we provide those services? And then what, what you see happening is only the affluent have access to these wellness centers that incorporate it's all crazy. of those modalities. Yep. Yeah. So it would be really nice to, for the underserved population to be able to access them as well.
0: Yeah, it's insane. My, my girlfriend, Christine, she we went over to California because she's talked with this doctor who is, uh, what the heck's his name? She's going to be like, you didn't remember his name. (laughs) She doesn't sound like that. She's also going to say, you did that voice for me again. (laughs) But we went over there because he's very, you know, in the holistic thing. Like, all right, I'm going to treat you physically, but we also, what are we doing spiritually? And naturally, she was like, I'll at least attempt to bill my, you know, have my insurance pay for this. And of course not. And it is, it's so expensive.
2: Right. So it's hard unless you have a lot of money to tap into that. And that's such a key component to healing. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I and think it's just
2: gonna take increased research, um, free and- healthcare for free, everyone. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but further acceptance mm-hmm. by the scientific community of the spiritual piece for it to be able to be reimbursed. Right.
0: Yeah, I think that's very a very important thing, and I I think you you hit it like on the head. We're getting there slowly, slowly, slowly yes. right? Slowly but surely. Yeah, I often wonder how much it helps to like. I feel like medicalizing things makes more things more of a stigma in general. Mm-hmm, yes. because
2: you—it's mm-hmm. a label. Yep. And then people naturally identify with our labels. What they do, it yeah. Good or bad.
0: Yeah, and it's—it's it's insane to me because that was one of my. It's weird because when I first started off in recovery, it felt great to say I'm an addict. But after like so many months of that, it's like, all right, well, there's I'm not just this anymore. There's so much more.
2: Mm-hmm. Can I ask your opinion on? The terminology, like you've been clean for this long, like how do you feel about about that? Because I rock
0: bottom. I've been clean time. Yeah, like I don't like
2: that. Like, oh, I've been clean for this long. Because by saying that, you're implying that you were like dirty.
0: That and I, there's certain groups that put such an emphasis on it Mm -hmm. that I've seen so many, so many people slip up and just like have a couple beers and get kicked, get caught. Get kicked out of an Oxford House, say "Screw this, I'm done," and they just go full blown right, back. I had a dude who had to have heart surgery mm-hmm. because he got kicked out of an Oxford House for having a few drinks. Right. And you know, oh, now I got to start all over again. Right. It just feels months. like a complete setback,
2: yeah. despite yeah. all the trials and tribulations that have been overcome in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't stand it.
2: And it's isn't the definition of addiction a chronic relapsing disease. And yeah. I think it was at yeah. one point. I don't know. If I it's think evolved. it still is.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, or brain re- disease yeah.
2: relapse is part of the definition. Not that we want it to happen, but I think that there should be some understanding when it does occur And people. I think there should be an emphasis on self-forgiveness
0: mm-hmm. and
2: self-compassion because if you, if you have self-loathing surrounding your behavior, you're not as worried about taking care of yourself.
0: Oh, and it's easier to hide. Right. In in addiction when you hate yourself yeah mm-hmm. i mean yeah i've always said that from the beginning i can't stand the the clean time thing i can't stand the you know you slipped up you know that's it you got to hit rock bottom right the people who, who say, you know, the people who argue against relapse as part of addiction. And I remember yeah. telling somebody, I was like, I was like, dude, nobody's going around saying, oh, wait, I'm not actually in recovery yet because I haven't relapsed yet. I better make sure I do that. Right. Like, you know, nobody says that. Nobody relapses on intentionally. Mm-hmm. And so it's just funny to me when people get all technical and, you know, on language. Language is a weird thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's,
2: but it's so important because I mean, it it defines our reality.
0: It is, yeah. The, it's how we communicate. Terence McKenna says the world is made of language.
2: It is, and
0: it's yeah, it's very bizarre. Yeah, it's yeah. We're not getting into that whole, that black <laughs> hole of conversation. <laughs> well,
2: real, real quick, then we'll get back on topic. But I did read something that said like people's ability to communicate or not even communicate, but dependent on somebody's vocabulary and how expansive, it directly correlates with how self-aware they are and in touch with their emotions because then they have those labels for how they're feeling, so it's less confusing and overwhelming. Mm. So that's kind of interesting as well, especially if you're working with the population who may not have the most expansive vocabulary, even considering that 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 knowledge could be used to help facilitate self-awareness and understanding of what they're feeling.
0: Yeah, I think that, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me because the more, you know, I can look back on my life and my, you know, being 19 and not knowing the difference between R O U R and R A R E. And then all of a sudden I'm done watching sports and crap. And then Mm -hmm. I dig into this stuff and I'm learning all this stuff over the last 14 years or so. Mm -hmm. And I can become more self aware by doing that. Although I've also met, People who have a very extensive vocabulary and have no all. kind of self-awareness. <laughs> I you have to either. apply it in the right you way. You do. Yeah, you have to really. I think that the word we use was introspective. Mm-hmm. You need to have that, and you could have look the tools, but not use them. Yeah, Projection's a real thing, and people do it all the time. Oh, for sure. And that's kind of uh, that's a mask as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's very bizarre. Yeah, the old language thing. We could have a whole episode <laughs> on that because that's that's very fascinating. When you uh, get into that, I'm trying to think if I brought that up to. No, I didn't. I thought I was. I thought I talked about that with Bruce and Cindy at I one think, point, but I we think... talked about um, language in the sense of. I think I might have brought that quote up about how the world is made of it, but just how powerful it is and it really can make or break people and, and how you use it. One hundred percent. I mean,
2: then, I smoke cigarettes, and like even people being like, "Oh, are you a smoker?" that makes me mad because I'm like I smoke cigarettes like I'm like I don't appreciate the label of like I'm a smoker yeah it's (laughs) weird because if you say something enough
0: you just identify with it and that was like one of the things I changed immediately is I noticed even when I like would knock over a cup of water being like Sean you idiot like you say that enough you just it doesn't you your ego will identify with it and then you start like literally feeling like an idiot physically like that was the first thing I worked on in my life was all right I got to start talking to myself better
2: yeah and back to meditation that's another thing that mindfulness and meditation is good for it helps you to identify your own inner narratives because our thoughts become our reality we assume that our Mm -hmm. thoughts are true and so if we're not consciously aware of negative self-talk and we're using it on ourselves every day that's gonna be super detrimental to our well being.
0: That's awesome to pass along to people as well. And you know, when you're sitting down with them. Sarah, what about you and as far as what you're kind of looking for places to go? This all this whole rant we just did stemmed yeah. off of me asking <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah.
1: Sorry. That's actually what Kristen and I talked about earlier. We were, you know, thinking about the things that we would change and I think we were both on the same page with that, that we wanna see more more of you know, healing mentally, physically, spiritually. Definitely would like to see more of that. We run into the issue, like she said, with the insurance companies, and Mm -hmm. we just need more proof that this does work, you know, rather than focusing 100 percent on medication or focusing 100 percent on counseling. Try something different.
2: And just the constraints of reimbursement in general, it really prevents people from being able
1: to put their own creative spin on Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. how they
1: want to heal within their scope of practice. Right. But... Like we were saying, we kind of, when we sit down with people one-on-one and we do the health monitoring visits, we put our own spin on things. So Kristen can talk about her meditation, or if I'm sitting down talking with somebody about nutrition, I can tell them, you know, okay, here's what worked for me. Why don't you try this and report back in a week and tell me how it worked? So we are able to put our own spin on things, but... We do have constraints. I would like to take people
2: outside and have them draw with chalk mm-hmm. to reunite them with their inner child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but great. But how would I yeah. build for that in the the yeah. right, right. world? Took you know, client out with <laughs> right. chalk with to chalk. draw. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that something as simple as that could be profoundly healing. You know, getting mm-hmm. people in touch with their create with their creative side because we're all inherently creative too. But then we're kind of taught to suppress that mm-hmm. and to judge our own work and just being able to channel that outlet could prevent things like addiction yeah Mm
0: -hmm. or even people from yeah relapsing or depression Mm -hmm. or yeah it's almost like as we get older we just become this we put all those childlike things aside Mm -hmm. and
2: the novelty of the world kind of fades it just yeah it totally
0: does it just is gone and i think we we have to really figure out ways to reconnect with that
2: just doing things that bring you joy mm-hmm. for no other reason
0: other than that yeah right. like even thinking about when you were a kid and you just you built a sandcastle mm-hmm. on the beach for no other reason than to build it there was nothing else attached with it it was just all right i'm gonna build this and, and
2: you're in the moment mm-hmm. you know you're present with your life you're present with your experience you're not doing something for the you know, the result down the road or for recognition or any other reason than just being just to
0: Yeah. Again, it's tough because it just always comes back to money and billing Mm -hmm. and money. And to be fair, like I've always kind of been that in-between person from people in recovery to the treatment providers since I've been doing this. And so many people who are in recovery and using the services just think the treatment providers have free reign to do whatever they want. Right. And that would
1: be great. yeah. Yeah.
0: But it's just not there, There and like everybody has constraints on them and what they can and cannot do.
1: There are actually a lot of barriers to what we can and can't do. And we were discussing earlier, you know,
2: within those barriers, I think that when you are real constrained, you it contributes to compassion fatigue because you're trying your best to meet the demands of the people that you're helping, and then you're also trying to meet the demands. Of governing bodies mm-hmm. and insurance companies and you can get spread pretty thin that way and you're not necessarily able to fully implement healing the way that you want to so I think addressing compassion fatigue for people in this field, like across the board, mm-hmm. not just organizationally. I think that Spectrum is pretty good about it. You know, I'm, I'm happy to be here for sure. But across the board, I think that compassion fatigue is a very real thing. And once people start losing that compassion that brought them into the field, to begin with, it becomes more routine and mm-hmm. individuals can sense that, you know, they can sense when they're being seen versus when they're Absolutely. not. You, you just can feel it. It's huge, both for the well-being of the direct care worker and for the well-being of the people that we serve. To make sure that we're all fresh, yes, for lack of you. a better word. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a good point. That's a great point because it is it is very easy to get burned out for i mean doing anything you need to take a break Mm -hmm. i like to think doing stuff like this helps and is like a refresher for people because when you're doing that same routine thing over and over again and you're not you know getting recognized i mean i like it's i think it's awesome bonnie like picked you picked you gals out to come and sit down Mm -hmm. and talk and talk about your job and your role and what you do and i think just a little bit of that
2: super grateful to be a part of this and like i said spectrum is great Mm -hmm. um But I think it would be helpful to implement just regular practices, like regular reminders to like practice gratitude on a daily basis. So that way we're like training our brains to focus on the good things that happen throughout the day rather than more challenging things that may present throughout the day. Because we're naturally wired to focus on the negatives Mm -hmm. for evolutionary purposes. But if you're focusing on finding those positive interactions, your day is going to feel a lot more fulfilling as a whole.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. What would you like to see as far as compassion?
2: I'm not sure. You know, like I said earlier, I'm kind of a big idea person.
1: But, <laughs> but then, not the little details. But
2: then the details that make things a reality uh, kind of escape me. But like, for example, a while ago, I haven't done this in a little bit, but we were doing a gratitude thread myself and some of the nurses at 1280 where we would start the morning with our gratitude thread email and it would have like an inspirational
1: quote and I love that idea thanks yeah
2: and then throughout the day we would email positive things that took place and again that was a way for us to folk like look for those mm-hmm. positive interactions and it was kind of like that simple thread was like a safe space for us because yeah in the world of emails too you know you can be bombarded with with demands and yes, this can. person's here this person's here can you do that you know so it was nice to just have that one little thread that was like mm-hmm. a little place that you could go to and I remember um our fellow nurse Nancy the one day was like oh I have tea with lemon in my office if anyone wants it yeah. and it was just yeah. like so nice it's oh just that, those that's little great, things. great. Yeah. yeah I would love to see something like that happen again like even organization like mm-hmm. wide I think that would be kind of cool yeah mm-hmm But that's the only thing. Sometimes that's all. Yeah. Sometimes (laughs) that's
1: all it takes, though. I think just that one little thing to distract you from the negativity and the chaos of the day, because our days do get pretty chaotic and you don't have time to think about the good things that happen. So that would be great. Get it going. Yeah. It's on record now. Yes. (laughs) Get the gratitude chain going again. I think it would be fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it is is the little things that Mm -hmm. make the big difference. Yeah. And they, and they add up, and they can just almost like, even somebody bringing you a cup of coffee sometimes is like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Right. Just like, all right.
2: And then also, like, just doing kind things for other people. And we do that a lot in this field, but even for each other, for our fellow coworkers, mm-hmm. I think that would be nice because when you do something kind for somebody else, you automatically feel good because you're kind of tapping into that like connectivity. Mm hmm. So maybe starting up something like that, like just random acts of kind. I know I didn't create that, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not coining that. You just have
0: (laughs) like a shoebox with little acts of kindness written on them. And every once in a while, you got to take one out and go do it for somebody.
1: Yeah, Yeah. there's something, something little like that. Yeah. Just something to break up the day.
0: To make it less. Because it is, it's got to be tough when people are coming in all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously it's their job to tell you what's going wrong in their life and what they want to work on and change. But I mean, hearing that all the time and not having anything positive come in
1: is a
0: big
2: difference. I think, I'm not sure if we do this or not, but I think when people are being trained in this field, it would be really important to learn how to hold space for somebody without internalizing it Mm. because we get some pretty heavy burdens unloaded onto us and that's fine that's what we're here for but even if we're internalizing a tiny piece of everybody's burden that yes it's going to you know it's gonna collectively get get larger and so it's real important that people come in kind of well equipped to deal with that and to know how to hold that space without it infiltrating your energy
0: And it's, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard not to fall into that a lot of times.
2: Yeah. It takes a lot of conscious effort Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. So I think that it should be something that's implemented upon hire and then maybe something that's kind of routinely addressed. That's
0: huge. So yes, I guess since we're, wow, we're already coming up on an hour of this. To kind of wrap it up, the final little thing Mm -hmm. I would like to ask you gals is, and this is how I kind of always have ended these spectrum episodes is if you could like tell the last people on earth like your last bit of advice or encouragement you know what would it be
1: Uh, that's a tough one I think I would just let everyone know we're all doing the best that we can and we're all making an impact on people and making changes even if they are just small changes yeah that's
2: that's very true. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that would be very helpful for people to hear for sure. Yeah, because we don't hear that enough. And sometimes it's nice to be reminded of that. And you forget and yeah, you think, why couldn't I have done this differently? And why didn't I do this? And why didn't I do that?
2: And... Right. And going off of that, I think it would be to encourage people to discover their deepest intentions, to align with their truest self so that they can live a life that flows you know so mm-hmm. that the decisions that they make so that we're not just blindly chasing goals like to achieve certain labels or to achieve a certain status so that the things that we're putting our time and energy into are things that truly serve our highest self
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think the trouble is you get lost a lot of ways on what your family or friends want you to do right society
2: and, in general yeah there's so many expectations. And like you were saying, Sarah, we're very hard on ourselves, despite doing the best that we can. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times with hard work, you'll get a promotion. But then with that promotion comes further responsibility. There's not a lot of time within our society in general to stop and kind of appreciate the little things and to celebrate your accomplishments. to Find yourself, mm-hmm. you know, so like, just find yourself.
0: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> no, that's huge. And I think... When Sarah said, you know, um, small goals. I think mm-hmm. that's so big a clinical psychologist I love. He always says to aim lower. Yeah. If you're you're not you're struggling, you can't get it, <laughs> you're aimed too high. Like aim lower. Just do the smallest little change you know you can make tomorrow and that's great. And you're a little better than you were yesterday and right. just keep doing that and that adds up. Right. So I think that's super important. All right, ladies. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Thank Thank you. I love the little round table. (laughs) I might have to get like a folding table to come to take with me from now on (laughs) because this is a cool little setup. I like it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Bye. Alright, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode, and make sure you head on over to Spectrum's website to find out more of what they have going on and all the services that they have to provide for you. They've been really heading up the mental health world and substance use world for quite some time now, and as always, they are not to be confused with the stinking cable company. They have been around much longer, and they provide much, much better services, and I can speak from experience on that one and anybody else who has the stupid cable company's services. All right, everybody, enjoy your week. I will talk to you next time, and I can't wait to keep this ride going. Much love. As always, keep your head up, open your eyes, cry, and learn from your mistakes. Peace.